Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. It's great to be in the presence of God's people. It's great to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it all. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just empty vessels, lifting up empty words. But by the Holy Spirit and by the grace of our God, we're able to worship this morning. It's good to have Jeanette and her future husband. Let's give my hand. Also, I've got a special visitor here. I'm not going to call her out because she would probably poke me. But she is awesome on a treadmill. Because <laughs> I see her at the gym. And you say, well, you don't look like you go to the gym. I go to the gym. I didn't say I did. <laughs> I didn't say I did anything when I got there, but I go <laughs> to the gym. Uh, not long ago, our pastor on Sunday night took us through a course on healing, on uh, emotional healing. And we all have emotions. We all, during our lifetime, you're not exempt from being wounded. You're not exempt from it. Jesus said offenses will come. But it's what we do with them when they come. Do we let them embed in us? Do we, we entertain them? Or do we deal with them? A lot of times, we, I don't think that we know the consequence sometimes of letting our emotions get into us and, and, and bitterness get into us. And we want to be free. How many of you want to be free? I want the best God has. He gave us his best. And, you know, as, as the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by faith. And sometimes you've got to get violent. Sometimes you've got to go to war. There's different things. And I remember hearing this. I guess I got his name right. I don't know. Steve Furtick? Furtick. She can. I talk hillbilly. She talks English. (laughs) He said the church is never going to accomplish what the church needs to accomplish if we don't deal with some past issues in our life. We're never going to be the army that God wants us to be. We're never going to have the presence of God dwelling in us if we don't face some of these old skeletons and deal with them. And then we can go on and we can, we can be more than conquerors. I, uh, me and Adele have been talking on this ever since Pastor did that class that we'd like to do one on forgiveness. And a lot of times when you start talking about forgiveness, people, uh, some of them immediately get an attitude. Well, I'm going to hear him. He want me to forgive so-and-so. We want to go by what the Word says. I got something that I'd like to talk to you. First of all, about what medical science says about unforgiveness. Do you know it's in, it is considered a disease now? That's hard to believe. It's considered a disease. It says unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. According to Dr. Stephen Stanford, chief of surgery 
of the cancer treatments of America, refusing to forgive makes you sick and it'll keep you sick. Now that's medical science. He said, and I quote, and I'm not, if you're battling something this morning, we're not here to condemn you, we're here to help you. God wants his people free. The Bible says whom the son set free is free indeed. And if we're not free, we're not in the will of God. His perfect. We can be not in his perfect will. He says 61% of cancer patients are walking in unforgiveness. It's not a healthy thing. It's not something that, that, that brings the best out of us. There's an old saying that says, hurt people hurt people. And, and you know, uh, sometimes in life, there's things that happen to us. And early on in my walk, and I'm not saying that I have never been offended because I will be offended, but I don't have to carry it around with me. I don't have to entertain it. I don't have to let it manifest in my life. You know, sometimes it's kind of like a seed that gets planted in your your life in your head and the scripture says what don't let the sun go down on your wrath because a seed that stays planted is what's going to grow roots and it's going to get down into you but in my life I have never never God has never failed me when I forgave a person that there wasn't healing also they come with it we are going to be offended people I got news for you. Some of you started getting offended whenever you were young. Some of you get offended at people at church. Do you know what Perry Stone said the biggest sin in the church is now? It's not alcohol, drugs, pornography. It's unforgiveness. The biggest weapon that Satan will use against you is unforgiveness. I've got a scripture I want to share with you. It went back to. Jesus said in John 14, 30. When he was getting ready to be crucified. Just hours before his crucifixion. He made this statement. He said, I will not speak with you much longer. For the ruler of this world, Satan is coming. And he has no claim on me. He has no power over me. There is nothing he can use against me. I like the amplified version that goes a little deeper. It said, there is nothing in me that belongs to him. Satan can only come to you when there is something in you that belongs to him. That's why we want to get it out of us. I don't want to carry bitterness and unforgiveness in me. I don't want to carry anything that's going to allow the enemy to attack me. And he'll do it. That's why the scripture said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Well, we can give place to the devil. Did you know you can give place to the devil? And you can do it through your pride. You can do it. Oh, you know, so-and-so hurt me. Oh, you know, they just didn't look at me. Oh, you know, I went to shake their hand and went, <laughs> and walked away. How, how easy it is for us to get offended. Somebody gets your parking spot. 
and don't get their place in church. Offenses come, and we're a people that can get offended. But we don't have to let them, we don't have to stay offended. A lot of people get offended when they're young. I want to tell you what I did when I started studying this. I went back as far as I could remember. And I started forgiving people again. Because whenever something happens to you at a young age, it's easy for the offense to come and you begin to wander and it begins to cripple you and it'll stay with you and it'll stay with you and it'll stay with you and it'll haunt you. It'll keep you awake of a night and you wonder what's going on. What is going on? Why is it I, I can't seem to be blessed like Dina's blessed? How come I can't walk in, in freedom like I need to walk in freedom? And a lot of times it is because we are harboring an offense that we haven't dealt with. And I want to tell you something. If you don't deal with it, just because time goes by, don't mean it's been dealt with. We have to go back. And I'm not saying to stay back. All right? I'm not telling you to go back in your, and, and, and stay there and go fishing. I'm not saying for you to fish for something, but I'm telling you that if there's things that happen in life that we have no control of and we begin to wonder why in the world it's happening. It could be because Satan has something in us. You know, he sets you up from birth. He sets you up from birth. His whole ideal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy he is an evil genius. He uses strategy. He'll use whatever. He knows if you're offended, it's easy for you to get re-offended. Because what? It's already offense there. I remember hearing John Osteen, not Joel, John Osteen. He was preaching a message once about finding your pigs. And I thought, man, what are you on the <laughs> What's going on with you? And he talked about, he used this illustration. He said there was one town that everybody was getting sick in. So they tested the water. And they found out the water was poison. So they sent divers in and they went back upstream in life. In the water, and found that an old mother pig and some piglets had fell in the water, and those pigs upstream were poisoning their water today. Sometimes we got to go back upstream. We got to go back to where Mama said something that offended you, or or. Daddy has said something that offended you, or Daddy was mean to you, or Mama was mean to you, or you got molested. There's things that you got to face. If you don't face these things, you can't bury them. They'll come alive on you. They don't bury easy. They only come when you choose to face them and forgive them. And a lot of people will use this right here. 
Well, that hurts so bad. I don't want to face it. I don't want to talk about it. That part of my life's gone. John Osteen said there was a young lady come to him and said, Brother Osteen, I am married. I have two kids. I am faithful in church. And it said, every once in a while, I have these tendencies to come up on me, lesbian tendencies, and I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? He said, well, I can't explain it to you, but I'll pray for you and have God, maybe God will reveal it to you. She said, he prayed for me. I went home, went to bed, laid down on the bed, and it was like a big screen TV came up. Said she was walking with a bunch of her girls. They had went skinny dipping. And these guys came along. And one of them raped her. And she said, I remember walking up this trail and this guy behind me going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she turned around and she said, I hate men. I hate all men. Said she immediately, when the Lord revealed that, forgave that guy. And she was free. Because why? Because it gave place. I'm not saying it's easy. If somebody ran over your child, a drunk driver, I'm not saying it's easy to forgive. But I'm saying there's healing in forgiveness. There's healing in forgiveness. There's healing in it. There's freedom in it. You know, that crushes your anointing. That keeps you from being blessed. I, for years, for years, I worked with a lady by the name of Carol Coppice, had Christian men. Uh, she did Christian counseling. Do you know where the greatest deliverances came from? It wasn't identifying a spirit of rejection or, or whatever. It wasn't that, dealing with that. It was when people forgave. If people would forgive, our pastor's office would be empty half the time or more. If people would just forgive. Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, let me see if I can pull this up. One of the things he said was forgive us our debts as we... If he hadn't put that as we in there, it'd been all right. How fast do you want to be forgiven? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When I go to Jesus, I want it done quick. <laughs> I don't want that stuff lingering around. Well, let me tell you something. You had the same spoon you spooned it out with is the way it's going to be spooned back to you. Jesus didn't say that to, to, because it was empty words. He knew what he was saying. He knew what he was saying. As we, why did, did he put so much emphasis on prayer and forgiveness? You know what the truth is? Let me confess to you today. When I'm praying, I very seldom check myself for forgiveness. 
Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, when you stand, pray and forgive. When you stand, pray and forgive. Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we. When you stand, pray and forgive, Dina. We want to leave that part out. We want to leave that out. And when we don't do that, that part, we don't check ourselves. Every once in a while, we need to sit down and just check ourselves and see, am I doing all right? Is there somebody in my life that, I, that I've offended, Lord, or, 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 or picking up an offense from? Forgive us. Because he went on to say, if you don't forgive your brother, their trespasses, neither will I forgive you. And you can sit on wherever you want from the front to the back. And you can shout as loud as you please. But I want to tell you what, God's ear is not listening. Let me prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Matthew 18. Peter said, Lord, how often does my brother sin against me that I forgive him? Up to seven times? The religious leaders in that day, most of them said five times enough. But you know, Peter, he got to go a step above. He's going to do seven. And Jesus said, I didn't say seven, but I say 70 times seven. That's 490 times. He said, therefore, the kingdom of God is like a king. They wanted his servants to give him account, and they was one that brought to him that old 20,000 talents or 20 talents or whatever it was. It was up in the millions of dollars. And he demanded payment. Actually, the king said, if you don't pay me, I want to sell you, your wife, your children, and all that you have till payment be made. The servant humbled himself and got down and said, forgive me, master. Forgive me. I'll pay you all. And the king was moved with compassion and forgave him all his debt. Now, that's not talking about the world. That's talking about the kingdom of God. Start out with Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. This ain't the kingdom of the world. This is the kingdom of God. This is his church. And the same servant went out and found a fellow servant that owed him 20 bucks. He said, pay me what you owe me. He grabbed him by the throat. He even got more violent. Got more violent. He said, have mercy on me. Give me time. I'll pay you. And he would not. But he had him through in jail. And when the king heard about it, the King James Version said he was wroth. You know what wroth means? It means white hot. God was hot. 
He was hot. And he called that wicked servant and said, I forgave you so much, couldn't you forgive them so little? Throw him in jail and have him tormented with tormentors. And then at the end of this, which we don't like to read, Jesus said, so will my heavenly Father do to you if you from your heart don't forgive your brother his trespasses. That's awful. Man, that, that's him wrath. You want God mad at you? If God's mad at you, whenever your kids do something and, and you're mad at them, you don't want to help them. I don't want to hear from them. I ain't going to bless them. I sometimes don't even want to see them when I'm mad at them. And the Bible said that God was wroth, hot, mad, and said, take that wicked servant and throw him in prison and have him tormented. Then he went on to say, and Jesus said at the end, so will my heavenly Father do to you. If from your heart you don't forgive your brother his trespasses. Church, we want to we be free. Don't you want to be free? Why do you want to hold on to something that's killing you? Why do you want to hold on to something that's killing you? Why do you want to hold on to something that's keeping you from advancing in the kingdom of God? Why do you want to hold on to that? We do. But it's not good for you. It's not good for you. It keeps you from being blessed. It keeps you. It keeps you from God's best. I, I don't know about you, but I want to pursue peace. For he that would love life and see good days. I want, I want to see good days. I'm 75. I ain't got much more time on this earth. But I want to see good days. I don't want to lay awake of a night in bed tormented and don't know why I'm tormented. I don't want to have to take dope to calm me down. I don't, have, I don't want to do that. When I know that if I ask, forgive my debts. Lord, I want to be quick. Lord, remind me. When, I, when, when I'm offended, Lord, remind me to get rid of it quick. Like a hot coal. Like a hot, like a rattlesnake. You know how long I hold a rattlesnake? Not long. <laughs> and you know what? A lot of people, they go to forgiveness and they think, well, if I forgive, if I, if I forgive Tommy, that means I'm setting myself back up for a hurt. <laughs> no, I don't. It means that God's going to get involved. I say, Tommy, you got a, a pit bull. And I go to Tommy and I say, Tommy, that's a fine-looking pit bull. And I reach over and pet it and they think, bites me. Next time I see Tommy in that pit bull, I'm going to say, Tommy, that's a fine-looking pit bull. <laughs> but I ain't sticking my hand up. I, forgiveness does not mean that you've got to bring them back into your life and like, like nothing ever happened. Forgiveness turns them over to the judge. Do you know why a lot of people, 
you are hurt and wounded, and they look like they got away scot free. Oh man, if, you know, every every free, and I'm over here. <laughs> you know, I'm so looking at look at them. They're getting blessed. God, how come they're getting blessed? God, and I'm the one that got hurt because you've got them in jail. You ain't turned them over to the judge. You ain't turned them over to the judge. What did God say? He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. If they need vengeance, I want to tell you what, because two of you church people get into it together, God ain't going to come down with a butcher knife and kill one of you. <clears throat> He's going to say, why don't you just get it right? Why don't you just get it? Why don't you forgive one another? Why don't you forgive one another? And, I, and you know what? I, I know that, that some hurts are deeper than others. And I know a child, uh, sometimes when they're wounded, they don't understand. I know that I, God knows that. But there's a time in your life that you need to go back. You need to go back upstream. If you don't feel free today, if there's things that's bothering you, if there's things that's haunting you, you need to go back and you need to say, God, show me, show me what I need to get right. And you know, maybe, it, it, maybe like I said before, I, you know what I remember about my dad? I remember my dad telling me how disappointed he was in me. That's about the only good memory I, or any memory I've got of him because he wounded me. And there are different things in life that wounds us. Our parents wasn't perfect. Most of them only did, just duplicated what they knew. If they, beat, if they were getting beat whenever they were young, they beat you. If they, whatever they did, they just duplicated it over on you. But you know what? We don't have to carry it. We don't have to carry it. Why does Joyce Meyer ever message she preach? She ends up in forgiveness because she was molested by her dad so many, many, many times. And it's a forgiveness thing that she practices because she can't afford. She can't afford to let that build up in her. There's stuff in your life you may have to beat down every day, Butch. There's stuff in your life that you may have to rehearse over and over. And a lot of times we think, well, you know, I, 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 I handle that. But I want to tell you what. The enemy was there when it happened. And he don't mind rehearsing it again. But when he comes, don't let him find anything in us. Don't let him find anything in us. I don't want him to find anything in me. My wife's a better preacher than I am, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her. I thought I was going to have Luke do it. Maybe at the end we will. Okay. Because I think it would be good. Well, okay, baby, I agree. I was on my heart the same thing. <laughs> what is the song? That one? I want to say something. Is it, can I say something? Yeah, yes, I don't have anything to give you. 
So when we, so when we were in worship, I felt I went over and told Paul that I felt like the anointing of the Holy Spirit was just so strong, because I believe there is um, a lot of hardness in some people. And you might be surprised if you really look inwardly, you'll find it in your own self, but you kind of ignore it. So I believe as the anointing, when Elizabeth was singing, God showed me that he was just pouring rain on that hard, fallow ground, and he was digging it and chopping it so that it would become moist to receive the word. And so I want this song to be sung before I give what the Lord has given me. Because this is what we need to declare today. Man, let that devil know not today. Not today, devil. Not today. Not today. Not ever again. Not ever again. Just stay there because I may have to have you sing it again. <laughs> I mean, I want to be obedient to the Lord, not what to Adele wrote down or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So... As we were studying this, I'm just going to give a real brief scenario of, of my life. So all my life, I, I was molested when I was younger by my dad, who was a deacon in the Baptist church. My sister was molested more than me, so I don't have a whole lot of memory. But you know how sometimes God will protect a little child to not remember things? And um, my sister was abused more than I was, and we shared the same room. So I don't know how I could not have seen a lot of that. I just suppressed all that, I'm sure. And so when my, my dad died, you know, I forgave him. And I, I know that I did, you know. I mean, sometimes we have to do it over and over and over again, you know, when things start to get dug up inside of us and we have to do it again. So... I just thought all my problems and all my bad decisions was because of what my dad did to me and my sister. And when I was about 16 years old, I had to have an abortion. And I'm like, you know, I'm good. I didn't want that abortion. My mom made me have that abortion. So I'm good. I didn't sin. It's my mom. And so I remember... Um, whew, this is really hard. So all my life, I had believed that I was fine. You know, doggone it, Terry, in January just this year, and I was in my bathroom praying. And a lot of you don't know that I inherited my mom and brother. Some of you do know. And it was a year ago that I inherited them. That was all I inherited. And um, <laughs> so in January, I was in my bathroom praying. And the reason I said that is because that's the only place we can find solace in our house now. So I was in my bathroom praying, and God reminded me. You know, God's just so good. God reminded me of the abortion. And I was sitting on the floor in there, and it was like immediately 
immediately, and this has never happened to me before ever, I was back in that hospital bed, and I could remember every emotion. Now, just because I'm crying doesn't mean that I haven't forgiven her, because I have. It means that this stuff just got stirred up, and the memory and emotion of it is still fresh. And I remember sitting there in my bathroom, and I'm like, Lord, I feel empty inside. I feel something of life in me was ripped out that day. And nobody was there for me. The, the father of the baby didn't come see me. My mom just came back to pick me up to take me home. And we're talking, can I have a Kleenex? Thank you. We're talking a time when, you know, abortions, if they were done, they were underhanded. And I remember feeling completely stripped and void. So I went on a downhill spiral from that point on till I was probably 20, 19. Bad, bad decisions. By the grace of God, I never got pregnant again, and that was the grace of God. But why would God bring that up after all these years? Well, going back to my mother and brother, my mom will be 89 on the 20, 24th of this month. My brother is 70. They both have macular degeneration, and some people might be familiar with that. They're both legally blind. They can see things are, are blurry, but they can see blurs. So if they were to walk in here right now, they wouldn't know that I was the one till I opened my mouth. Because <laughs> that's my mouth. Everybody knows it, right? <laughs> oh, this is Adele when I call on the phone. <laughs> um, so I was sitting in there, and God's bringing all this back up fresh in my mind, the loss, the hurt that I felt. And the biggest thing he brought back up in the, my mind was that my mother wasn't there for me. My mother never said another word about it after. Not one word was ever spoken again in our whole entire family of that abortion. Not one word. So here I am at 16 years old trying to process. I was four months pregnant. Trying to process what happened to my body and the loss and the rejection that I was feeling. And I remember coming in, it, it was sometime last year, right after I had gotten my mom and my brother into church, and something just horrific happened before church, and I had to deal with it before I came to church. So I was like, all the way to church. And Kimberly was right there as I was walking around, and she goes, how are you doing today? And I'm like, Bleh. <laughs> so I was telling her how I was when something just out of nowhere came up out of my mouth and said, she was never there for me. Why in the world does she think I should be there for her? And immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Because I thought I had forgiven her. And so January, the Lord showed me, nope, nope. You just bypassed it because it wasn't your decision. 
And because it's in my face every day that I have to take care of her and I have to give her pills and sometimes more than I want to share. We women get it. Maybe men do. More than I want to share. And I go back and I'm like, I'm taking care of you. Where were you for me? So I laid on that bathroom floor and cried and cried and cried. I called Paul in there, and I'm blubbering to him, but sharing with him how I, I went back in that water and faced those pigs that were dead in that water from years ago that I didn't realize was poisoning me at 65 years old. And then, doggone it, Pastor had to do this thing that we met every Sunday night and... <laughs> And do this series, and I don't know if y'all remember chapters three and four. Well, who, who was in my, raise your hands if you were in my group. There's a couple of people missing. I looked at my and said, I ain't writing nothing down. I ain't writing nothing down. Well, just read it. And none, nobody else in my group wouldn't write anything down either. <laughs> Chapter five came, I didn't even read it. I'm like, I'm not reading it. I already dealt with that in January. It's all good. I don't got to read that again. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, so we went to the next several chapters, and the whole time I'm thinking, boy, I'll sure be glad when this ding thing is done. Dad gum stinking thing. Because <laughs> it brought up dad gum stinking stuff. <laughs> And so, I mean, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. And so now I want you to know that pretty much every single morning the last two weeks, and, and you know, we've had to prepare for this message. My mom has gotten up every doggone day at between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. Morning! Morning, Mom. I need to talk to you for a minute. Oh, God. I haven't even read my Bible yet. I haven't even prayed. Yes, Mom, what do you want, Mom? Can anybody identify? <laughs> and I'm like, Lord. And so my husband is so full of mercy and grace today. I didn't even talk to him about this because he leaves before me because I'm notoriously late. That's probably something in the waters in the back. I don't know. I don't want to dig that up right now. <laughs> But he, my mom, morning. <laughs> he saw my head go oh. as I'm, you know, reading through, studying. So, and, and here's my mom. Can I talk to you a minute? I'm like, yes, mom. Well, anyway, he gets up and he goes, "Hi, mom. You ready for your tea?" This is what I usually do. And he gets my mom her tea because he's like, uh-uh, I am not letting the enemy get to her today. <laughs> I'm going to get her her tea. I'm going to get her whatever else she needs. And so he was protecting me from my mom or myself or whoever. But anyway, so the whole point in sharing all that was like he said, sometimes, look, I don't, I believe what's in the past is in the past. When it's covered, it's covered. 
by the blood. I do believe we don't need to go back and redig stuff that we've already dealt with, and we have forgiven. But obviously, I didn't. And for me to go further, I had to forgive my mom. Now, do I have to do it every... Yeah, pretty much for the last two weeks, every single day. I've had, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. You know, it's hard being a servant when you feel like you are always left out. Do you know what I mean? And I know a lot of you understand that. And so as I was studying this week, and I was asking the Lord to show me some scriptures that I could give, and, and uh, I got up one morning and I just started reading in Job because I remember the scripture where it says, and when Job prayed for his friends. And I'm like, that's just such a good scripture. I've heard, you know, it's spoken on before about Job and when he prayed for his friends. So I, I went to chapter 42, I believe, and I was reading that. I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go see what 41 says. So instead of going forward in the Bible, I was going a little backwards. I was redigging the water, you know, going back in that water. So I went from to 41 to chapter 40. In chapter 40, in verse 6 of Job, it says, so Job was, you know, all the times I've ever heard preachers speak on Job, they always speak on, spoke on how he didn't sin. There was no sin in him. You know, he did what was upright. He did the right things. And his friends, they were awful. They were like, yeah, you know what? It's because you got this and you got this and you got that. And Job's like, you know, I've done the right thing, blah, 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 you know. And so I kept going back because I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me. There's a little more in this story. There's a little more in this story. So I read 41, and then I read 40. And it says, Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and he said, This is what my version is. Suck it up, sister. Pull up your bootstraps and get on with the program. But here's what God said. Gird up your loins now like a man. I will demand of you and declare you unto me. So Adele's version was, suck it up. You know, pull up those bootstraps. And then God goes on to speak to Job, and he's telling Job, when we look at that story, we see a righteous man who's upright with God, because that's what it says in chapter 1. Hey, have you ever seen a man like Job? You know, have you, you know he's, he, and you know, hey, go do what you need to do with Job, because he, he loves me. And in one day, and I'm pretty sure it was probably an hour, everything he owned was completely snuffed out. Like, snuffed out. All his farm, all his animals, all his children, everything. And then um, God even describes in Job 1, 1 through 12, he says, what was, he says, what an upright an honest man Job is. Have you ever seen anyone like him? Satan goes on to say, well, you blessed him in everything, but begin to take away what he has and let's see what he's made of. Verses 12 through 22, all of hell breaks forth in Job's life because he loses everything. So Job is full on attacked. Anybody here ever felt like that? Like you've been on a full on attack. Verse 22 says, 
But in all of this, Job didn't sin or blame God. So going back to chapter 40 of Job, God is telling Job, you know, I know you. I know who you are. I know everything about you. I created you. And yet in everything that you're saying to me, I'm hearing a little bit of pride. I've never heard this preached on in my life. This is what I got out of it when I was reading. And so it go, if you just read, I don't want to read all of it, 6 all the way through 24, it goes on to tell, you know, some of the things that he does. And then, let me see if I can find. Then it goes on in chapter 41 where God, um, hold up, I got to go back because I passed it. I should have marked it out. It goes and it says that the enemy pierces us in through our nose with piercings of pride to keep us in bondage. Well, Job goes on and he gets to the place where he realizes in his not blaming God for all the stuff that has happened to him, he has gotten proud in his words that he was saying to his friends. He had to repent. So in verse 41, oh, I can't find the scripture where it says, no, it's actually 42, verse 6. Wherefore, this is Job speaking, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. I repent. And in my Bible, it says, in effect, Job had previously reported that he had not abhorred himself, but on the contrary, thought pretty good of himself because he didn't sin. And he held fast to all of his moral excellency. The discovery of this deep corruption in his heart is one of the most painful and humbling things that a man can ever make. So the patriarch had to crucify all his goodness as truly as all his badness, and he had to sit in wood and ashes as a public confession that he merited death because of his sin-defiled nature. Now, Job. Now, I've never heard that preached that way before. I have always heard it preached that he didn't sin. And, you know, because he was good and upright. But in his not sinning, he had pride and thought so good of himself. So then we read through the rest of 42. Immediately after Job repents in verse 7, Job's repenting in verse 6. We got that? In verse 7, it says, and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, and the Lord then turned to his friends, which I cannot pronounce their names, so they're in there, that his wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. So here's God defending Job now. Therefore, take unto yourselves. Then he goes on and tells them, here's what you got to do, because you guys have been sinning big time. You've been speaking lies to that man, trying to find everything in his life that he had done wrong that was sin, which was why he was reaping the things he had to reap. 
No, now you go and you prepare all these um, offerings and you lay them and bring them to Job. And then Job is going to pray for you. So we're going to flip over to where Job prayed. All right. It says in verse 8, and Job shall pray for you. For him, I am going to accept. But you know, because you guys weren't walking right. But when I accept him and he prays for you, then it's all going to be good. So they went, and then the Lord turned after Job had prayed. Not after he first repented, but after he prayed for the ones that wounded him for the ones that spoke against him, for the ones that came at him, for the ones that were telling him every single thing in the world he had done wrong, he then turned and prayed. And it was after that, if you keep reading, that he was restored double. Double. Everything, double cattle, double land, double children, everything he had was doubled. So... I want to I give an analogy because there's a lot of things in my life as well, everybody else that we've had to forgive. So I have, I have Dina, Miss Dina, and, and Dolly, stay there. Miss Dina, you go all the way that way. Let the rope go. I'm going to tell you what sin does to us. So can you guys see this? If you can, I want you to stand because it's powerful. So as I begin to speak, Dina, I just, I want Dolly to stay there. But as I begin to speak these words, I want you to start wrapping yourself. You know what? I cannot believe what Dolly did to me. She talks about me all the time behind my back. And then you know what she did? She called my best friend. She called my best friend and attacked me to my best friend. She says rumors about me in church. I don't understand why she does what she does to me. Dolly, start coming towards her. Unwrap yourself. Now, I want you to visualize this from their feet all the way up, all the way up. Tie yourself close together with each other. Now, Miss Tina... So here they are, wounded and offended. Now, this was me with my mom. And I want you to just stop and take a minute and think. Have you ever been wounded? Have you ever been hurt? Have you ever been so abused? And some of you in churches have done that to you. People, parents, sisters, who knows? Children, I don't know. God knows. But I want you to try to walk. Because what are you taking with you every time you go? So keep going all the way down there. So here's Dina saying, I thank you, Jesus. I'm free. I've been born again. I am free. Dadgum, Dolly. Thank you, Jesus. I am free. I am born again. I am free. But she's got Dolly so hooked to her hip that everywhere she goes, she cannot leave her. Everywhere she goes, in her prayer closet, in church, in the bathroom, in the shower, at work, you are taking that person that you have not forgiven. You have taken that person that you have not forgiven with you everywhere, even in your prayer closet. Even in your prayer closet. And, and how can you go into your prayer closet 
and ask, Father, forgive me when you got your mom hung right on your hip or your father or your, you know what I'm saying? How can you? Now, everything I have ever heard, if, if I believe the Lord showed me after my abortion that it, it was a boy and he would be about 52 years old right now. And I don't know, maybe I did the math wrong a little bit. Probably about 49, 48. And I do believe it's a boy. And everything I've ever heard about heaven, although we, I haven't been there to experience it, that aborted children will be there waiting for their parents. So I know why, why would I let my unforgiveness rob me of getting to see that baby again? Why? No, I don't want that to happen. Why would I want that to block something I could cradle when I missed the cradling that I was robbed of, that I couldn't hold and nurture and watch grow. So I forgive my mom. I forgive my mom. I don't want to carry my mom. I don't want to drag her with me everywhere I go. I don't want to wrestle in the night when I'm trying to sleep. I don't want to wrestle in the mornings when I get up to try to pray, when I get up to try to read the word. I don't want to wrestle and have my mom so stuck next to me, even though she kind of is because she lives in my house, stuck next to me where I can't breathe. If you're reading Job, and in 40, 41, and 42, it talks about the Leviathan, and in the very end, it talks about how they get so intertwined that they're almost face-to-face, -face, and it's in the New American Standard that it says it this way. Face-to-face, nose-to-nose, that, that, that discord and that unforgiveness, you can't hardly breathe. Have you ever been stuck so close to somebody in unforgiveness you can't breathe? That's how I was. And so I thought I was totally free in January till we had to do those things. And what did I say in, in the meeting? And Pastor looked at me and he's like, because I told him how much I hated that. <laughs> and he was just like, but it helped me realize that, well, maybe you thought you did, but you didn't. That's why I was all riled. And then my friend Brenda, you guys know Brenda Allen, right? I was talking to her one day coming home from work, and she goes, well, you know, Adele, you know, Adele, usually when it still bothers you, it means you haven't forgiven it. Really? But that's why you have good friends, right? They speak life into you. <laughs> and so I have a song. You guys can sit down. I have a song that I want played. And I'm sorry, Luke. You guys can sit down wherever you want to go. <laughs> but I really want you, before this song prays, I, want, I, want, I just really want everybody to close your eyes and open your heart. Because if there, if there is anyone, whether it be in this church, whether it's in your past, or like Paul said, the woman was raped and she hated men. 
And I could have easily hated men because of what my dad did. And I blame my whole childhood and my whole life on my dad, which I'm sure, you know, some of it had something to do with it. But most of it was the insecurity and the loss and the rejection and the not being nurtured that I experienced when I lost life in my body. And so as we just close our eyes, Father, man, you know every heart in here. I thank God that you know my heart. And my heart wants to serve you and to love you all the days of my life. And I don't want anything between you and me. And I don't want anything in common with the devil. I don't want anything in common with the devil. So, Father, as I pray this prayer over this whole congregation and every person in here, Lord, speak to their heart. Open up their heart. And if there is any ounce of unforgiveness anywhere, reveal it to them. And as this song is being played, and you guys can start it, as this song is being played, if you want to come to these altars, and I pray you come to the altar. Why not for us? For you. Come to these altars, kneel before the feet of Jesus, and let him heal you. Heal the wounds, heal the emotions, heal the lost child, the rejected child, the hurting, the broken, the wounded. He's here for all of you. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.